want you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership. The, the, the mothership. Let's go Happy Thursday, North America. The mothership, yes, has connected. Welcome to four hours of out-of-this-world sports nonsense. It's day four of the deacation. So again, it's Bogish and EJ joined today by Greg, the hot guy, Caserta, and Ryan Betcher live from the CBS Sports Radio studios in New York City, broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, the CBS Sports app, and Sirius XM Channel 158. From Anaheim to Chicago, Ann Arbor to Albuquerque, Kalamazoo, and Waterloo, we are on the air. They listening, D.A., everything we saying, D.A., everything. And just like that, it is Thursday, day four of this week without the boss. He returns from vacation on Monday. Hard hat guys, myself and EJ, if I don't say so myself, here for the fourth day of the four days and still scheduled to appear tomorrow. We have lost Pete the Body Bilotti for the rest of the week, and we are now officially on Pete Watch. Pete, if I go back in time, when DA announced that he was finally taking this week off, we had a meeting, myself and Pete and our boss, David Marinick, about how we're going to handle things, who was available, who could do updates. EJ is going to produce and trying to be as little maintenance as possible. I said, as long as I got Pete for five days looking at me, laughing at my jokes, I'm good. Yeah. Pete nodded. Fine by me. I'll see ya. Let's get to work. I'm not lying. The next morning, text from Bilotti. So I've got a lot of DA interviews. I'm going to take off next Thursday and Friday, switch off into interview mode. So you've got Ryan on the board. It wasn't even, I don't even really think it was 12 hours. It certainly wasn't 24 hours of me going... I just need Pete, Pete going, you got me, and then Pete going, you got me for three out of five days. A real man of his word there. I mean, seriously, if there's one thing Pete has, it's commitment and integrity. But what we're looking for this morning, two things, is the arrival time. Because when Bilotti swaps into Mm. boss mode, when he has one of these office days, he still kind of comes in on the early side because he refuses to take mass transit. So he's got to drive here. So he's got to drive here early to avoid mayhem, normal morning Manhattan traffic. So how soon into the show will we see Pete? And since today is full boss Pete, what will Pete be wearing today? Because off the air, I hmm. think only off the air, he has criticized some of the interviewees for a lack of uh, correct attire yeah. for mm. such an interview. So now that he is not splitting his day between interviews and board up, does he come in in more fancier executive wear today? Okay, so let's break this down in parts. Time-wise, based on our conversation after the show yesterday, he said he was going to try and get here around 8 o'clock. So that's what we'll set the bar at right now. The only time he came in studio yesterday during one of our breaks was to tell us that said interviewees do not dress up properly for their in-person interviews. Yeah. That people don't wear suits anymore. Yes. And he admired those that do. And in true Pete fashion, um, one of my favorite parts of Pete is 
Pete begins a conversation with you in Pete's head <laughs> when you're not there. And then he comes and finds you and picks up where he left off in his head. So the interaction Greg is describing, Pete walked in and just said, first words of his mouth, people don't wear suits anymore. And I had to go, what are we talking about? Because he had already had the beginnings of that thought and that yeah. conversation on his walk in, but didn't start at the beginning with us. He began with, people don't wear suits anymore. And I didn't know what that meant. I I like the intrigue of how he goes about his conversations, and you've broken him down psychologically very He's well. He's my favorite. Uh, because it is a fascinating case study, because that's exactly how it happened. But it's also good because he knows that he now has you drawn in. Yeah. It leads to a follow-up question. It allows him to elaborate without being preachy, or soapboxy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's a really brilliant form of making conversation. Yeah. I mean, dare As, I say, dare I say, it's a cold open. It kind of it's is. A, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's a rather cold open. And uh, I think attire-wise, I'm thinking button-down, pair of slacks. Yeah, we're going to get slacks. We're going to go loafers. Have I ever seen him wear loafers? I think that's his dress shoe of choice. Okay. So we're going to go along. And he loafs. We're going to go along those that route for Pete. And when he gets here, he gets here. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, when it comes to time, when I talked to him yesterday, just kind of reconfirming everything. So I said, so you're not in tomorrow. He's like, so I, well, I see you. He said, no. Um, well, he said, yes, you'll see me. But then he emphasized later. Yeah. So when I heard the later part, I thought, okay, this isn't going to be uh, uh, anything before 9 o'clock. Um, so if you're listening, the last thing on this, if you're listening and you have not yet had your initial interview with Pete and Spike Eskin, for Pete's sake, I would put a, put a jacket on. That seems to be what he's, uh, most noticed is missing is a jacket. Cause I, I was actually going to compliment guys cause you know what's going on when you see a guy who normally is wearing a t-shirt and jeans or shorts and he's got the button down and the khakis on, you go, oh, that's interview day. And that's happened at least three times already in the last two weeks. But Bilotti wants even more than that. Bilotti wants jacket. I don't think you need a tie for to impress Pete, but if you want to impress Pete, you got to at least throw a sport jacket on. Yeah, I think that's an easy ask. Now, if you want to be bold and be different, wear something wacky. No, wear, no, no, no. You're, wear, you're, wear a T-shirt that has your nickname on it, like the asset. Now, I, what, my question is, when it comes to decisions not to wear a suit or a jacket from some of the candidates, does that have anything to do with the prior person who held this position? Are people maybe seeing who was in this position saying, well, there's no way that guy showed up in a suit I don't think people are that smart. I, I think you're giving people way too much credit. I think that they look at how people dress when, they, when they're here. Right. When everybody works here mm. and nobody dresses up. That's really what it boils down to. And not to dismiss and belittle our profession, but it is a, it is a radio job. So I feel like... When you're when you're normally dressed like the slobs we are today, and you go just pants and a shirt, you're really up in the ante. Like that is a big jump up from the normal procedure around here. I would not have expected anybody to have a, a jacket on, but again, I'm not Pete, and Pete Pete's mind works on a level that mine does not when it comes to being a boss. That's why he's him, and I'm not on his level. Now I'm not in these interviews because it wouldn't have crossed my mind that these guys should have a jacket on, but he wants a jacket. Yeah. I don't know if he wants headshots as well, what kind of resume paper he would prefers. Um, but he's got, you know, he's got his rules about tracing, how... Tracing paper. <laughs> uh, 
EJ missed Greg's reference to Greg's shirt. If you're at if you're at watchtheA.com on Twitch, YouTube, this is one of two. There are two <laughs> colors in this line of Greg Caserta hot guy wear. Wearing your asset shirt today. Yeah, I was gonna go the asset because that's that's what I am. That's who I am. That's my alter ego. Billy Jockalone, friend of the show, is mm-hmm. out in the newsroom right now. He found this generic T-shirt on Amazon, so I ordered a couple. Went purple and red. Okay. Nice, nice, not too loud. Toronto Raptors colors. <laughs> very old school. Very right. subtle, yeah. No, I think I like just asset. Asset's good, right? The asset is almost like too much. Mm. This is perfect. It's I'm, a, I'm an asset. Like, I read it. I'm I an the, asset. The yeah. asset is basically subliminal. Yeah. I've been told that I am an asset. You are. And, and therefore... I have become and assumed said role as uh, the asset. It is a Thursday. It's a thirsty Thursday. So all morning long, tell us who or what you're toasting at CBS Sports Radio at Andrew Bogish, 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. Uh, we'll do our toasts in our number three. Also on the show this morning, the Big 12 beats the Pac-12 again. Could Michigan and Ohio State change the game not only are the Angels keeping Shohei Otani, they're trading prospects now to try and win immediately. James Harden has a new detractor, and Paul Tenorio of The Athletic talks about Messi's first days in MLS. But we begin in a city that is embargoed on the show unless diaper money is available. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets had been saying they would redo his contract because it was going to kill their salary cap next season. They got it all finalized yesterday, and the Jets took Rodgers to the cleaners with his blessing. It's where we begin. It's your cold open. I don't believe it! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending. It's DA's top story. Here he goes! It's your cold open. So Aaron Rodgers, as arrived in New Jersey to play for the Jets, would have counted $107.6 million against their salary cap in 2024. So all along, they had to do something to fix that. I don't know that any of us thought fixing it would include Rodgers basically taking a $35 million pay cut. He signs what's new, uh, basically a new two-year contract, fully guaranteed at $75 million, where he was scheduled to make 110 mil guaranteed. He gave back $35 million to help the Jets with more flexibility to make more moves, make more additions. The other part of this is he's now basically locked in for two years and shows his commitment to play more than this year. Now, he did say, and I think he was talking about his body, not our body, but he did say it depends on how the body feels. And obviously other things can happen. But at the moment, Aaron Rodgers wants to and is playing on being a Jet in 2024. And the cap hit is still significant next year, but certainly a palatable number, not $107.6 million. But I didn't see this coming. And I guess it's nice of Rodgers to do this, but I also think it's fair to ask why he was not okay with doing this in Green Bay and maybe helping out Devontae Adams and other people. I mean, this is a is this a thirty five mil like middle finger to the Packers? Is this a spite pay cut? It it certainly sounds that way, and you could tell that towards the end in Green Bay, the relationship was fractured. Uh, the issues with the GM, where the the mandate almost coming from the agent was get rid of Brian Gutekunst, a name that we have had a 
really good time with on this show. And we still don't know how to say it correctly. And we don't know the proper pronunciation. But it's funny how in very short amount of time, Rodgers has shed this selfish bad boy label. And you would think the opposite would happen going from Green Bay to New York. You would think that that would make him more hateable, that his detractors would kind of be more amped up. And the last couple of weeks and months, he's repaired his image incredibly well. The fan base loves him already. No surprise there. But now it's going around the league with this latest news that maybe he's not as selfish as we once thought him to be. At least maybe he's turned the corner for the last year or two of his career. I mean, you know, pay cuts and restructures happen all of the time in the NFL, almost daily. Like, the number is, this is a staggering number yeah. to me. It's, I mean, and it's not just reconfiguring more that he might have made. He is not taking $35 million that he was supposed to get. It was basically locked in. So this is not just math and accounting. This is him actually taking less money. I'm kind of shocked the PA allows this. I mean, other sports, mm. you know, we've go, going back to like A-Rod's Red Sox trade <laughs> where the union jumps in and is like, no, 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 you can't, you sure. can't do this. You can't set precedent. To give back $35 million is not selfless. It might be idiotic, um, but it's just, it, I, I love the fact that it may be just out of spite that he wanted to do nothing nice for Green Bay and his boy Gunty. But here in, with the Jets, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I know, 35 mil, whatever. You guys keep that. And I think a big part of it is, all right, you're going to a new place. You feel reinvigorated. Things obviously were stale in Green Bay. So yeah. now you have this second breath, if you will, at a career. And you're looking at the pieces that you have. You're looking at Garrett Wilson. You're looking at a really good defense. And you're thinking, all right, maybe I do have one final chance here. I have this brief one- or two-year window. And I thought this started with his comments from a week ago when he said, listen, the Jets gave up a lot to get me. The least I could do is give them two years. I thought that was telling. I thought that was impressive. And, again, I, I don't know if the shine wears off at any point, but right now... We're looking at a headline on the TV here. Are the Jets a championship caliber team? Assuming that Robert Sala doesn't completely blank the bed, you got to like their chances because he's clearly made an impact. And the Nathaniel Hackett signing can't be lost on how important that's been because it's changed Rodgers' outlook from what we've seen the last five years. Not to change the subject, but I'd, I'd love to know what version of that expression you used that you needed to bleep yourself because it's wet the bed and you said bleep the bed what do you do with your bed when you're nervous it's none of your business what i do it's what i do in my sleepy time habits all right uh so aaron <laughs> Rodgers a 35 million dollar pay cut to be nice to the jets maybe give it one more time to the packers uh showing just how done he was with Green Bay. Again, it's a Thursday Thursday here on the DA Show. Let us know who and what you're toasting at CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. Phone lines as always are open as well at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. When we come back, it is the best audio of the day. It's sound check and coming off yesterday, an NBA voice uh, basically answered our poll question. We're having a list of people you want to fight at work. That's next on CBS Sports Radio. CBS presents this program in color. 
An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. Soundcheck is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. Welcome back to the show. Bogus in for DA. EJ's here. Caserta is here. Ryan Betcher has joined the fun today because Pete has checked out. Soundcheck begins with Jalen Brown, who teammates thought was acting big time with his big money extension. Jalen, uh, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, both posted that were, they were unable to reach you on FaceTime. Have you been able to reach out to them? Um, how do you feel about them calling you out like that? I, uh, I'm not aware of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Rob and Grant tried to FaceTime you after you signed your deal. Okay. They couldn't get through. So they posted screenshots on Instagram saying that you've changed. Uh, <laughs> he definitely changed his number. I mean, care to respond and tell us how much you've changed. So you're not, you too, are you too big for your teammates now? Nah, never, never, never. No, those are my guys. They, uh, I'll probably give them a call when I leave out of here. But um, I, yesterday was a crazy day. Probably the most my phone has ever been ringing in on the line. So uh, I missed that call. So I start to say that this is a bad look for Jalen Brown, that you've got to know when your teammates call. But then I remember what these dudes' phones look like with the amount of, of texts and calls they're going to get on a day like that. And it's probably okay that you didn't know that even two teammates called you during the middle of all of that. I kind of understand it. And I'm also so anti-random FaceTimes, too. Like, <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know if I don't got a shirt on. You don't know what's going on. Like, do not FaceTime me randomly. I know maybe it wasn't quite as random because he had just, you know, agreed to this big contract. But I, I think the fact that they FaceTimed him alone was enough for him to not answer. So I think this is somewhat of uh, an age thing. I guess I'm too old for FaceTimes. Like, it's on my phone. I know how to use it. But, like, when I talk to people, it's not via FaceTime. Like, that is not the number one way that people reach out to me. But I, but I feel like younger people... It's oftentimes let's throw the video on here too. I mean, I had to adjust because my girlfriend loves FaceTime. So like that was something I had to adjust to where she'll FaceTime me, you know, whether she's walking out the dog or she's out to do yoga and she'll right. FaceTime me on the way back. So I'd get used to that. But she's like, that's the bar. Like, like there's no one else. And, and my parents are in the pandemic because I didn't see them for a while. That's the bar. There is no other person that should be randomly FaceTime me. So if I'm Jalen Brown, like you can text me. You can text me. I can give you a tweet. Quick, thank you right. for the for the you know congratulations and move on. A FaceTime, like, you know, again, I could be cooking, I could be doing anything. Like, leave me alone, man. When I was dating my wife, and we first started dating in college, and I was in New York, and she was in Boston, we were on the phone all of the time. Huh. But at least when we were on the phone, she couldn't see me being half distracted by something on the TV or right. like my roommate sitting next to me or playing a video game <laughs> yeah. while we're talking. If she's FaceTiming you. She, you got to give all your attention Undivided. to that conversation now. Oh, I've learned quite a lot over the last six and a half years about uh, about uh, FaceTime etiquette. Because, again, I'm a multitasker as well. So I'll be reading tweets while talking. And, you know, especially when I pull it up on my laptop. So she then really sees the eyeball kind right. of going back. She's like, what are you looking at? And it's like, oh, sorry, I was uh, working on something. So. Yeah. 
all those so, years of doing minor league baseball, I'd be gone for half the year at different points, and I would be in, let's say, Port Charlotte, Florida, and Aaron would be back here in New Jersey, and I'd have to get the, uh, you know, call me after the game. And my goal was to always keep it five minutes or less post-game. Usually there's a cold beer waiting for me right. as soon as the game ends. So if I could get out in under five minutes, it was a success. But like you, it was all done over the phone. Yeah, It was a phone call. There was no visual. There was no eye contact. There was no look at me, look at me. It was just let's talk. And I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and I don't really, I don't know about you guys. I don't like talking on the phone. No. I hate it. I really don't like it. So there are times when you'd look and be like, wow, we've been doing this for 40 minutes now. That's a long time. <laughs> uh huh. And I'm old enough that when we were dating in the late, you know, 99, 2000, <laughs> like even texting wasn't even a thing. Like uh-huh. I didn't have the, like I could have had to do like hit you know, two, three times to get to see. And then, like, that's what... Uh-huh. Te- you know, there were no keyboards. So, like, there were times where I'd get back on the bus, like, leaving a Fordham basketball game, and I'd call her, and she, like, she wouldn't stop talking. Like, I'm on the bus. I gotta go. Like, I'm not whispering. Dudes just played 40 minutes of basketball. They want to go to sleep. They don't need to hear our nonsense. Like, let me get off this... Oh, oh that's the worst. Her on a text. The, I've, I've had those. The, oh, the bus call... Yeah. Like, I'll call you back in a, I'll call you in a few I, minutes. I'm already not supposed to be on the bus. I'm already a nuisance. Like, stop <laughs> making me talk to you now, too. Uh, up next on Soundcheck, right off of yesterday when Greg with two Gs said he wanted to fight at least five people around the building, here's Jeff Teague on wanting to fight Chris Paul via the Club 520 podcast. For the Pacers, he's on the Clippers. It's the first time he really talked to me and the first time I ever really wanted to fight him. So before the game, you know, you got to do the warm-ups and shit, and I see him. He like, JT, what's up, baby? You know, uh, political and shit. I'm like, what's going on? He like, nothing. He on some Wake Forest shoes. So I'm like, oh, them is decent right there. I might need a pair of them CPs right there. You know, just trying to keep the conversation going. He like, okay, yeah, yeah. The game start, we playing against each other. He do a lot of flopping. So he was trying to give me two fouls. I'm like, quit flopping. Play. You scared the guard? Da, 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 da. Walk to the end of our bench. Where Paul George was sitting was like, P, this right here talking like he ain't just asked me for some shoes before the game. Oh, dumped him out. <laughs> what? Our good friend Bill Ryder would love this clip because that, <laughs> he does not like Chris Paul. And that's a really good summation of why he doesn't like Chris Paul. <laughs> now, on one hand, I guess... Good job by Paul to spin the shoe request back at, at Jeff Teague. But the fake Chris Paul and then the fake tough guy Chris Paul is why Bill doesn't like him. And I guess there's a lot of people that don't like him as well in the NBA. And here's Jeff Teague. And so at least they weren't teammates. Right. I mean, you wanted to fight teammates yesterday. But at least these are their co-workers, theoretically. And Jeff was ready to throw down. Have you noticed that sound check this week is just loaded with curses? Yes. There's a lot of bleeping in our sound checks lately. Yeah. I like it. I like it, too. The problem is, well, I think the the reason is 90% of our clips now are coming from player-hosted podcasts where there are just no rules. Like, nobody does just kind of regular interviews anymore. Now, we get great stuff because guys are relaxed and whatever, but I think it leads to having to make extra work for our tape op to bleep out eight curses in nine seconds. Yeah, commercial FM radio not conducive to the player-hosted podcast. <laughs> like when they do, do they still do the barber shop on HBO? 
It's on YouTube now, I believe. The shop. It's on you. Yeah. The shop. Yeah, it shows how much I watched it. Um, because they they were full uncensored with that, right? Because that was HBO. Correct. Yeah. yeah okay. Everybody, some people were, you know, pearl clutching LeBron. Yeah. F bombs. <laughs> I'll tell you who's a real maverick. That Pat McAfee. He, we- he wears sleeveless. <laughs> he wears sleeveless shirts and he curses everybody. Look out. Ugh. Uh, last in sound check is Travis Kelsey sharing his failed attempt at trying to talk to Taylor Swift. This is from the New Heights podcast. Speaking of Taylor Swift, I know you went to the Taylor Swift concert. How was it? Yeah, well, I was disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. So I was a little butthurt. I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. You made her a bracelet? Yeah. If you're up on uh, Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets and I received a bunch of them being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Not right now. Your number's in 87 or your phone number? You know which one. (laughs) She doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me, so I took a personal. She probably just hasn't gotten over the Super Bowl yet. She's a big Eagles fan. Maybe she just made something up and just didn't want to talk to you. Damn it. (laughs) So speaking of your bleep question... I'm curious about that myself. The way Travis described his feelings <laughs> yeah. by being shot down by Taylor, I feel like that might be a, a believable thing. I don't I know. Think so. I, what was that? You think so? I, I think that if the body was here, that probably would have not made the Correct. final cut. Interesting. Yeah, and it would have been the good Bilotti trick, um, another P-Beauty, where if something is debatable... Yes. He will smack that dump button like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. But if someone straight says like the F word, he like looks at it like, should I dump that? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I like pulls it back. It's a weird, he's got a weird trigger finger when it comes to the dump button. That's a that's a debatable term in general because right. its origin is not great no. either. Let's just move on so we don't get in trouble for making it <laughs> on the air. It's only because of certain parts of the country. I'm going to speak for Taylor Swift. I feel like Travis Kelsey's not her type. No. All the boyfriends that we've known Taylor Swift to have are not Travis Kelsey's. They're not tight ends. They're more like Justin Tucker. Yeah, they're kickers. Right. Pretty right? much. Yeah. John Mayer. Tom like Tupa. <laughs> she would have been a big Sean Landetta fan if she was back in the 80s. Well, I will say, though, a lot of her music stems from these relationships. Right. What do you think? She would go off the deep end with a Travis Kelsey We Broke Up album. That would be complete departure from her regular music. I don't, to be honest, I don't even think they would have been enough of uh, time together to write a song about. Yeah. That patience would have immediately disappeared on Travis Kelsey. I always wonder how are he and his brother related? Because they, they have the are, same parents. They are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> literal bogues. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. They're, they're like nothing alike. Their personas are Agreed. completely different. Like Travis Kelsey is Fred Durst in the early 2000s. And then Jason Kelsey is like any country music star on tour. Right. Like they, they do not uh, like the complete opposites attract sort of thing. Jason doesn't look like Travis, like Travis's brother. And I feel like he doesn't even look like a offensive lineman. Now, he's a big burly dude, right. but like he doesn't seem mean enough to play that position. He's a nasty one too. Yeah. Once that helmet's on, it's game over. I'd also say that Travis has better ways than a friendship bracelet to get to Taylor Swift. I mean, when you're him, yeah. this is what your agents for kind of. Like one exactly. of the greatest stories ever told 
and I think I'm telling it correctly, is Andy Roddick saw Brooklyn Decker, and like the rest of us went, she's very pretty. I like to hang out with her. And had his agent reach out to her agent to set something up. And now they're married for, I don't know, a decade with two kids, like having a great life. But he didn't make her a bracelet. He didn't. He just had business people talk, and here they are. Now, now, didn't Justin Verlander give Kate Upton a baseball? Like, during a game, I believe, it was a Sunday night baseball game, I yes. want to say, at Yankee Stadium, and that was the beginning of their thing. So maybe Kelsey saw that and thought, hey, worse for Justin Verlander. Why, why don't I give it a shot? And these yeah, friendship he, bracelets, is, again, in, living in the house of a Swifty, they're, the they're a big deal. It's a thing. So I think right. he thought it was a very thoughtful gesture. I'm just picturing but, him. And not the most efficient. I'm picturing him writing his number on a football and winging it at her and having it hit her in the side of the head. <laughs> He completely just Marsha Brady's the thing, and she comes out on stage with a giant bruise. But even EJ, if he wants to get her the bracelet, and I see the point of the bracelet, he's got a better way than hoping she'll see him backstage to get the bracelet to her. He's got people that can actually deliver the bracelet at maybe a better time for her. That is true. Than trying to bother her before or after the show. That's true. I think he wanted that face-to-face time, though. I think Taylor Swift, he listened to her music, is very personal. Like, she takes, you know, very specific, intimate details about people and puts them in her songs. So I think he thought for her, this initial, intimate kind of interaction one-on-one yeah. would be something special. And unfortunately, it did not work out. I think it's actually kind of sweet and kind of old school that he went about it that way. I mean, he obviously failed miserably. Right. But in the age of everybody sliding into the DMs, he, he went he went for it. And, and my, got, other, my other question, too, was... Do you think she wants to date fans? Because that was the other thing. Because, like, to me, like, the bracelet thing is a fan thing. It's not a, oh, Taylor Swift gives bracelets to other people that she admires. So was that maybe something that also would have been kind of a deterrent? Like, oh, a fan is giving me a bracelet? Uh. She's getting to that point now where almost everybody's a fan. So I feel like statistically she's going to end up dating a fan. It's unavoidable for her. Mm. Right. I mean, and I wouldn't say that I'm a fan, I know of some of her songs because yeah. of my kids. I respect the hell out of her. So I'd be in the, probably in the group she's looking for that I'm not like, I don't care that she's Taylor Swift, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like this may show that Taylor, that this, this may show that uh, Kelsey cared too much that it was Taylor Swift. That yeah. he did go the distance to say, I'm going to make an actual friendship bracelet. Like the millions of Swifties out here who are also giving out bracelets to other Swifties. I need more details. Is Big Travis Kelsey going to the bead store and picking up the beads out himself and the string to make this happen? Does he have a niece that has already has the bead making kit like I have in my house? How does that I, work? I hope that his agent worked on that. I, I hope that that was if his agent couldn't make the call to tell his representative. I hope his agent at least made the bracelet. Now, do you have to go fancy? Like you need to put like some rubies on there, not just beads. Oh, yeah, this got to be diamonds. <laughs> right? I think you got to I mean, spend some Travis cash Kelsey. on this. He's gluing elbow macaroni on a paper plate. <laughs> yeah. Big smiley face <laughs> arts and crafts with travis kelsey do you want to go out check yes or check no true or false will you go out with me uh the angels have made a huge decision about shohei otani and their future will do that after we get headlines here's caserta i know i'll probably mispronounce this we're gonna try we'll start with the women's world cup u.s netherlands last night they always look so sharp in those orange kits they call them kits on the pitch the Flying Dutch women led one nothing until the 62nd minute, and that's when Lindsay Horan struck with the equalizer. Is that right, Horan? 
Uh, I think it's Lindsay Horan. Horan? Yeah, Horan. 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 Okay. Yeah. And uh, here she is uh, after uh, tying the match in the 62nd minute. Me and Dan always go up against each other. It's a physical battle. Um, I respect her so much because that's that's how it should be. It should be competitive at all times. So I think once uh, we got into that tackle, all I wanted to do was score. Uh, heat of the moment, I got a little pissed at her, but uh, Rose put in an absolute dime, and I got on the end of it, and, yeah, happy happy for the goal. So I was watching this live. One of the last things I saw before I fell asleep last night, and what she's talking about there is she's got the ball going down, like, the near sideline, and a Netherlands player... Her last name is Vandedonk, which is my new favorite name. <laughs> I believe they're teammates, whatever regular team they play on. But this woman, hip to hip on Haran, buckles her right knee, drops her. She looks like she's legitimately injured. She eventually gets up, walks it off. Play goes back. They're setting up for this corner, and then the cameras cut to the two of them, and Haran is screaming at her. Ref separates them, and in soccer, you know, the ref sometimes brings the people together, makes them apologize, yeah, yeah, yeah. and say they're going to play nicely. The Van de Donk wouldn't come over. Then when she finally came over, Haran was like, I don't give a bleep. Like, we're not... So uh -huh. eventually that stopped. Play resumes, and she said, beautiful corner, header in to tie the game. And then breaks it. And it was a big kind of middle finger back of the Netherlands are messing with her. And that was the final 1-1. They went the distance. So the U.S. starts with a win and a draw. Match number three on Tuesday against Portugal. And apparently it's at 2 in the morning with the time difference. Yeah. So uh, good luck with that it's one. It's been tough. I want to watch these games, but only like one of them per right. day is on at a, as a, at a watchable time for us. Yeah. Well, we go from prime time to the Big 12, Bogues. Things are happening at Colorado. And now they're bound for the Big 12. The conference's presidents and chancellors voted unanimously on a conference call to accept Colorado as the newest member last night. But the school still has to formally apply for Big 12 membership. That's one of the final steps in order to join the league. So Wednesday night's Big 12 vote makes the move an inevitability. That would come after this season. They'd leave the Pac-12, and that also coincides with the end of the Pac-12 television deal, meaning that Colorado would not have to pay any exit fee to the league. So this is all very strategic. Colorado's expected to formally apply for membership Thursday, the same day that the school's board of regents, not the school's board of regis, is holding a special board meeting that sources say... Includes a vote on the move to the Big 12. The final steps will be taken today, and a deal should be formalized soon. We talked about Aaron Rodgers in our cold open, and for right now, he has shed that bad guy cape, signed a rework contract in which he voluntarily drops his salary by about $35 million over the next two seasons. So instead of two years and $110 million, it ends up being two years and $75 million for the Jets' newest quarterback. We'll talk about Jim Ursay a little bit later. Everybody on this program knows that he is my favorite NFL owner. He has an incredible memorabilia and art collection, which we've discussed on the show. He's an unbelievable musician who was mm -hmm. touring the country. He also had some really nice words for NFL running backs yesterday. We talked Cowboys yesterday. We heard from Jerry Jones as he whistled through his bridge work. Now the passing of the torch is officially complete <laughs> in the running back room. Tony Pollard's the new lead back now that Ezekiel Elliott is gone and still looking for a new team. Confirmed yesterday that Zeke reached out to Pollard after they shared a backfield together for several years. He texted me today right before camp started, just, just telling all the running backs, you know, um, you know we'll handle, handle the business, take care of everything, and just good luck. Pollard said, obviously, it's tough not having Zeke and his belly shirt around. 
It's definitely different, you know, not having him out here with all the energy that he brings, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of my rookie year, you know, the holdout when he had, and, and I was pretty much here the whole camp, so I was trying to get used to it. So Pollard focusing on the season, playing on the franchise tag, and th- did you see that there was that the top running backs around the league held a meeting? Like yeah. they got together to talk about the financial state of the position. Didn't which, go well. No. No. I mean, that's that's how drastic it's gotten. Yeah. They had a conference call. They talked about things, realized there was nothing they could do, and Saquon went to training camp. And that was it. Basically, that was it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I saw that headline yesterday, and I'm like, I wonder what that entailed. Like, did they get together in the offseason? Was there a summit? No, there was a it conference was a, call Saturday night. That's how quick it was. And they accomplished nothing. They realized that they were screwed, and they all went back to work except for Josh Jacobs. Do agents have any, like, power in these situations? Like, is it like, will this ever change? Will this ever go back? So I, I thought the change had to be somebody, an amazing running back, making a team win the Super Bowl because it's such a copycat league. And then mm. once that happens, oh, okay, well, you know, McCaffrey just did this. Maybe we should get one of those guys. Um, and who do I asked that question to somebody the other day on the show, I think Tuesday morning, and um, his answer was, it'll change if somebody can think of a way to kind of reinvigorate the position. Right. Uh, it was Jared Dubin from CBS Sports who said, you know, we got to figure out a way to make that position be different, using it in different ways to recreate value. And that's how they'll get paid again. Like an H-back, Debo Samuel type. But being the good host that I am, I did not follow up with the obvious question of what could that possibly be? Because <laughs> there are already guys who run and yeah. catch the ball and then run with it. I don't know what else we could, like, they're not going to start kicking. They're not going to start throwing. So I don't know what what the what the tweak would be to get these dudes paid. Derrick Henry. Man, that's a big one. Yeah, and like Derrick you know? Henry and Nick Chubb get paid and they're doing fine. Right. The Titans and the and the Titans and the Browns win because of those guys. So I I they're just screwed. They're they're just screwed. It really is. It's amazing. And then when you look at Jacobs, right, who still hasn't reported, he had I think 300 something total touches last year. And then I heard on uh, a different station down the hall that there was a point, like if you look, go you know, go back to guys that we grew up watching, Eddie George basically had 350-plus carries every single year of his career. I mean, the game has changed so much, and it's, I, you know, I do feel for these guys. And that's why I'm hoping that we'll get some sound from Jim Irsay, who, uh, despite his uh, impeccable singing voice, incredibly tone-deaf yesterday. This is you uh, talking to the clubhouse through the media. You're trying to get Billy to go outside and find you some cuts. You're just sending him messages through the microphone right now. I well, we did, we did talk during the break, and he said it's going to be hard to find. So there's a very good chance that this is just a print interview that Ursay <laughs> did yesterday. I just hope there's sound because there's less writing for me to do. That's really what it boils down to. I like that. It's a good theory. Good plan. And you know I love teasing updates. That'll be coming up in our next update in the 7 o'clock hour. Can't wait. If Billy finds you sound. If Billy becomes an asset like you currently are. Uh, Shohei, still an angel. New angels coming. That's next on the DA Show. It's new on CBS. It's the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back. Finishing off hour number one of this Thursday, Thursday here on the DA Show. Get us your toasts. 
At CBS Sports Radio, at Andrew Bogish, right now at AJ Kaplan, posting tremendous little short video of uh, the reveal of the asset in the building, slow zoom in on the asset himself. Tremendous, tremendous job by Cap. Uh, I also just tweeted out an update on yesterday's vending machine near catastrophe. Uh, the explosions did stop. The temperature seems to have been reset or turned off because things are no longer frozen. In fact, there's been a thaw. Uh, very expert camera work by me scrolling all the way down to the bottom of the video where you should be able to see that the frozen Diet Coke that exploded yesterday is now melting and seeping out of the undercarriage of said vending machine. So the real danger now today is slipping, that someone's going to walk into a puddle of Diet Coke, end up on their back. Fingers crossed it's Bilotti, if we're being honest, uh, who has the day. I I can't say off, but he has shifted into full interview mode. Um, He said yesterday there are upwards of 35 interviews scheduled. Some have happened. Most have not. And this is round one of the search. So, again, I keep hearing this Labor Day. Best of luck with that. You've interviewed for positions here, right? Uh, I get not in a formal way with Bilotti in a suit. No. Yeah, I've I've never done the formal thing here. I mean, my first interview here way back when, that was over five years ago, I wore a sport jacket. I met with David Mayernick and at the time Eric Spitz, who was mm. over on WFAN in New York. But ever since then, when I've gone for jobs here, it was never anything formal. I mean, maybe, now Pete's maybe, involved, so maybe, it's maybe it should super have, formal. <laughs> given how those went, maybe it should have been formal. It's maybe, a big, maybe I should have dressed up. It's a big day at Colorado. The Buffs are on the move back to familiar ground. The Pac-12 loses again. It's where we begin hour two of the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio.